Um, Today's Gospel reading is from the Gospel of Mark, um, starting from chapter 4, verse 1, right through to 34, page 814, 8.15 actually, the parable of the sower. Again he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there, while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yet it yielded, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him Along, the 12, along with the twelve, asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look, but not perceive, and may indeed listen, but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns, These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we we use for it? It is like a mustard seed 
which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. For the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Very well read. (laughs) Never never gets old. Let me pray. Dear Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear the words of Jesus. Help us to pay attention to what he says, to consider it carefully, that we might be good soil and bear much fruit for your glory. Please help and enable me to speak. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, uh, Jesus' parables are engaging. They're they're designed to draw you in. I remember um, when I was probably about 13 or 14, I got one of those Gideon Bibles given to me at school and reading through Matthew's Gospel, just drawn in to Jesus' teaching. Um, They get you to think and they present a truth, the parables, Uh, One scholar titled his book on Jesus' parables as a sting in the tail. They're short stories designed to help you see truth which which you might otherwise refuse to accept if you were told directly. Uh, A really good example of a parable doing its work is in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. Uh, What happens there is King David has used his power wrongly and he has had a man murdered, Uriah, and he has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Well-known story. And Nathan the prophet is sent to confront David with his sins. Dangerous. (laughs) Because obviously David wants to sweep under the carpet the, the sins that he has done and now he is going to be confronted with it. So... Nathan is in danger of losing his own life. So rather than confront David directly head on, Nathan tells him a story. The story which David can really relate to. David in a previous life was obviously a shepherd boy. And here's the story. There's a villain, a rich man, who's entertaining one night And he lives close by to a poor man who has one little ewe lamb. And he loves that little lamb. And the rich man, rather than take an animal from his own flock, takes this little ewe lamb and slaughters it to entertain. Of course, the poor farmer is just distraught about this. When David hears this, he is livid and he furiously demands, the man who did this, must die. And with perfect timing, Nathan declares, you are the man. You are the man. The sting in the tail strikes its man. Parable Soren Kierkegaard, philosopher, said, deceive a person 
into the truth. Today we're looking specifically at two of the four of Jesus' parables that we heard. Uh, The two parables are the sower and the lamp on the stand. And both of these uh, relate to the way Jesus' word, his teaching, and how people receive it. These parables are both a warning and an encouragement. Let's begin with the parable of the sower. According to Jesus, if as disciples, you and I, if we don't understand this parable, then um, we're going to struggle with all of the parables. But the benefit, however, with this parable is that Jesus explained it for us in verses 13 to 20. 20. This parable, stated plainly, is about various ways people respond to Jesus' message of the kingdom of God coming near and his call for us to repent and believe the good news. How do we respond to that? Now, before we look at this parable, I want to share with you a common experience that people have uh, when they read the Bible. I've read this on a number of occasions and spoken with people John Dixon puts it really well in his book, A Doubter's Guide for the Bible. He said, reading the Bible can be a bit like meeting someone you don't know who oddly somehow seems to know you deeply. It's uncanny. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you find yourself asking, how does this book know that about me? Well, that's my experience too. I I must admit to, over the years, having a real problem with the parable of the sower. Not so much with apprehending its meaning, because Jesus obviously explains it, but on how well it can explain me and how I've responded to the message of Jesus. The first example is the seed that's scattered along the path sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Well... I've got to say, there's many times I've heard a sermon, read the message uh, about Jesus, and really, to be honest, have not absorbed it. Perhaps, though, I relate more to the following two examples that Jesus gives. Uh, These are the ones that I have felt have really had my number. Jesus said, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. Sounds good. But they have no root. They endure only for a while. When trouble or persecution arises on account of of the word, immediately they fall away. I can really relate to this. I've been a Christian now 36 years, but many days... Months, even years have been spent not bearing fruit as a follower of Jesus. I remember my initial joy becoming a Christian. I was 10 years old, almost 11, on a Christian camp. So joyful receiving uh, the knowledge of the gospel. And then I came home from this camp and to a family that didn't practice going to church or Christianity following Jesus, really. And um, after a little while... I was fearful. How can, how can I hold on to this faith? Fear grabbed me. It unsettled me. I fell away. And then there's the uh, third example Jesus gives. And others are those sown among thorns. These are the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world, 
the lure of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word and yields nothing. See the two examples. One is fears in everything which will keep someone from becoming productive with their faith, and the other one's the enticements of the world. Again, I've been a Christian so many years, but I note there are many occurrences, many occasions, that desires for other things have impacted my obedience to Christ. And I'm just wondering, can you relate to these? The one seed, or one example, I feel most difficult to apply to myself is the one that I actually want to be, have true of me. And that, of course, is the last seed, the seed that falls on good soil. And I believe part of the, um, the, the purpose of this parable is to create the desire within us to be that seed. Uh, just this week, I conducted a service in a... Um, a retirement village or an aged residential care facility. And um, as a precursor to the sermon, I thought, well, I'll, I'll speak on uh, Mark 4. And, and um, it was only a small congregation, so we had a bit of a dialogue about it. And I asked this small congregation, which seed, soil, which example do you want true of your life? And of course, naturally, they all want to be the seed on good soil. They want that to be representative of them. I think that's natural. That's the design of this parable. Jesus said, and these are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word. They accept it. And bear fruit. 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Well, as I've said, this parable has challenged me so much throughout my life. Earlier in my Christian walk, I'd probably spend much time wondering Which of the examples am I? The second and third in particular just seem to really have my number. Well, I don't read the parable like that anymore, as if it's saying you're one type of seed or soil and that's it, you're typecast, that's who you are. No, the parable is an exhortation to hear Jesus, to accept his word, This is an action we perform our whole life long. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In the words of the young Samuel the prophet, Speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. Or Paul, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Uh, Let me jump to the parable of the lamp on the stand because I think this parable provides an excellent application uh, for us. Now, when I read this parable earlier on in the week, as a staff team, we read read through the passage in the lead-up to the the Sunday, I quickly assumed that it says, uh, that Jesus says exactly what is said in, in Matthew's Gospel about letting your light shine before other people so that they might see good deeds. Um, There's similarities there, isn't there? Because the example of a lamp and its placement are used in in both Gospels. But Mark, Mark's Gospel is not about you and I doing good deeds and that being a, a lamp. It's about hearing. It's about listening to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, let anyone with ears to hear Listen. 
The focus is on how we listen. So Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. The measure that you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. How can you and I behave like good soil receiving the seed? Pay attention to what you hear. Uh, The NIV translates this as consider carefully what you hear. Uh, In the original language, to translate it straight, it would say, look at what you hear. Look at what you hear. Jesus' encouragement to us is the more we look, carefully consider, pay attention, the more we receive, and then some. It starts, of course, with accepting the words of Jesus as true. Augustine said, believe so that you may understand. Now, this was adapted by uh, Anselm. I believe so that I may understand. Of course, our modern minds don't work like that. We want proof before we accept it. We want to see before we believe. Well, faith doesn't work like that. Following Jesus doesn't work like that. Now, it doesn't mean that we're uncritical when we read through the Bible. Rather, we pay attention, we consider carefully, we look at what we hear. At some point, though, we must accept Jesus Christ as truth. And that, of course, changes everything. Um, One of the things I love about the Alpha program, right at the very beginning, Nicky Gumbel, the kind of stand-up man for Alpha, gives the story about his own coming to faith in Christ. And Nicky was an atheist, smart man, a law student, and one of his friends became a Christian, and Nicky was just so incensed about this and incredulous. How could anyone believe this stuff, he thought? Any intelligent person, anyway. And so, being a law student, Nicky decided... Well, I'm going to argue the case. I'm going to read through the Gospels. I'm going to pick holes in it. I'm going to show just how silly this is, and I'll uh, win my friend back from the clutches of faith in Jesus. And Nicky said he read through the Gospels and went all the way through, and he found it quite engaging, and I think he got through to Acts before he said he realised he believed. He believed. Did every one of Nikki's objections get answered? Well, I doubt it. But these became less relevant because the starting position was he accepted the words of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word about Christ. I want to now turn to what I think is the elephant in the room when it comes to this text. And these, these are verses 11 and 12. Um, really, they really make this whole passage very difficult. I'll read it out. And he said to them, Jesus speaking, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything comes in parables in order that they may indeed look but not perceive and may indeed listen but not understand so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. 
Troubling verses, aren't they? Troubling because Jesus appears to be saying that he teaches in parables in order to remain opaque, in order to keep people from understanding, in order to obscure the truth. And that goes against everything we've come to expect from Jesus Christ. So how are we meant to understand these verses? Well, first, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, which is a very harsh passage in and of itself. If you went back and read that, you'd see Isaiah the prophet was speaking to the nation of Israel around 7th century BC. The nation at that stage had failed to listen to warning upon warning upon warning from the Lord. And finally, judgment is pronounced. The judgment is that the ability to comprehend, to understand the message, will be taken away. It's like when people refuse to listen to spiritual warnings. Eventually, they get to a place where they can't hear them anymore. A bit of an analogy. In watching nature documentaries, I remember watching one where these animals live in a cave and have been there for so many, you know, just that's where they live, their whole existence. And even though they've got eyes, their eyes never see. If they were brought out into the light, they'd never see. Their eyes have lost their functionality. It's a bit like that. Refusing to listen to the message of Jesus brings deafness. It's a really strong warning. And it can be seen really as a last effort appeal to those who are walking away from the truth. Like the prophet is pleading, if you keep going that way, you will never be able to hear It's supposed to shock into action. Your refusal to listen and to accept the truth renders you eventually unable to hear the truth. Uh, Jesus' use of Isaiah displays that he himself is wearing the cloak of a prophet. He himself is doing that work of a prophet, but in his own generation. And he's using what's familiar to, uh, to the people that are listening Isaiah and his context, and he's applying it to his own. Who are the outsiders, though, that he's referring to? On a, on a superficial reading, you would think, well, it's those who aren't the disciples. It's only the disciples that, have, that get the message. But no. Um, a parables um, professor or scholar makes the point that those that are around Jesus are actually counted as his family. They're accounted as the obedient ones, those listening to him other than the disciples. Um, We see that in chapter 3, verse 34. You know, when Jesus' parents and brothers come to, to see him and Jesus is speaking, he goes, who is my family? Who is my mother and my brothers and my sister? Well, it's you guys, not those outside. So he's pointing to them as their as his family. Snodgrass makes this point. The expression, those outside, does not refer to the crowds in general, some predetermined group, but to people like Jesus' family at that time and religious leaders who are not ready to hear and do the will of the Father. It is the stance of willingness to hear and obey that determines whether one is outside or inside. The parables are spoken 
to help people to see and to wake up. Jesus, of course, is not using the parables to keep people at arm's length so they won't see. Verse 33, for instance, says, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And hear it means understand. Jesus wants his parables to be understood and only would give as much as people could take and apprehend. The warning, however, is for those who refuse to listen, who refuse to carefully consider who refuse to pay attention. Well, may that not be true of us. May we be those who pay attention, listen carefully, look at what we hear. Well, how can we be fruitful as Christians in relation to God's word to us in Christ? I I want to suggest just a few basic things. Read your Bible, read it carefully. What do I mean by that? Well, number one, prioritise reading it. Even if it's just a a small chunk each day. If you're time poor, just a small chunk each day. And don't set too high a goal for yourself. So you might go away from today, you might not read the Bible much at all and think, well, that's it, I'm going to read half an hour every day or or one hour. Don't set the the goal too high. Just start small and, and grow from there. Think about what you're reading. Don't just read over once. If you don't get it, read over it again. Try and absorb it. Read it humbly. When you don't understand, pray that you might have insight. In this passage itself, the disciples didn't understand Jesus, so they asked. It's a good model for us. I like, in particular, Psalm 119. I think these Um, Psalm gives us great prayers to pray when we come to the scriptures. I'll read out a few. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 33, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Verse 34, give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. 35, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Many more could be read out of this psalm. Another thing, keep notes or a journal on your reading. As parts of the scriptures open up to you, as you get insight, write that down. Keep a note of it. Go over those notes. Keep a journal. Uh, Next, read the Bible with others. Join a small group or a Bible study group. Talk with others about what you read. Ask questions when you don't understand. Find someone that you respect both for their love of God and for their knowledge of the Bible. Seek those people out. Be honest when you don't understand parts of the Bible. Being a Christian is not a contest for biblical knowledge. It's about seeking to understand words that give life and those words directing us to deeper faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to sermons on uh, you know, iPod or whatever when you're going for a run, doing exercise. Read good Christian books, especially those that are regarded as classics. 
ask for recommendations from small group leaders, ministry staff, or check out what we've got in our library in the lounge. The great encouragement out of these parables comes from the lips of Jesus when he says, the measure that you give is the measure that you will get and still more will be given to you. Read the Bible believing you are going to see things that you will be taught of the Lord by his Holy Spirit. I want to finish with a a simple prayer and it's found in the daily office of uh, the Anglican prayer book and it's prayed uh, after the reading of scripture. It's, I think, an appropriate way to uh, end now. We can pray this together. May your word live in us and bear much fruit for your glory. Amen. Amen.